Hello again, everybody. This is Lance Russell with Championship Wrestling with another big week. Join us right now. Hey, welcome to the Double Drop Kick Show. I'm Heath Mulliken. And I'm Mark Whitman. And this is a wrestling podcast. We talk about the wrestling you grew up with, the wrestling you need to watch now and stuff. If you listened to our last episode, some of you are maybe wrestling fans. You may have skipped over our March trip to Disneyland uh, episode. Totally fine. We're glad you're back with us for some more wrestling talk. If you skipped over the one about the things that make me happy, I don't really care if you're here or not for this. <laughs> But that's one thing about our show is we, we, we felt like early on we were caging ourselves in. We were caged animals, and we've been released. I think we just didn't want to be like everybody else. That's right. I know I didn't. When I listen to now all these people that just, I don't know. The more I listen to people talk about wrestling, the less I want to talk about wrestling because I don't want to sound like those morons. That's right. To you, be honest with you. You leave I mean, that to I, me. You know, it's you hear these people talk like they're some kind of expert and some kind of specialist. No offense. I'm not talking about you. Right, right. But I'm saying like they, you know, the only thing athletic about them is their feet. They've never done anything. And they're all sharing these garbage opinions and talking about people saying stuff right. they'd never say to somebody's face. Right. You know, so I just don't want to be that. Right. I'd rather be me. And and I think for a while we weren't having fun. No. I mean, watching something that's not any good. Right. Just so you can gripe about it. Oh, I got better things to do, man. Yeah. we are. So we're going we're gonna to talk about the good, bad, and the ugly. Basically, um, we're going to hit three topics uh, on this episode. Because it's been three months since we recorded, we're going to talk about the AEW shows. Uh, that came through. We're going to talk about AEW uh, debuting here in a couple of months. We're going to talk about the hidden gems that were added to the WWE Network, which I have not looked at the WWE Network since they updated it. it is, I don't like it at all. I have not heard anybody that does. It's. I mean, they used to have this thing that said hidden gem. Yeah. And it went all the way back to the 50s. Yeah. And I can't find any of that stuff now. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to talk about the Raw reunion, which I did not like see. Like, so much so that if, they're, if they don't fix it, there's no reason for me to have. Right. Um, so before we get into the wrestling talk, let me remind you um, about our uh, patrons. So, patreon.com slash double dropkick. You can support the show. And in the month of August, until August the 29th, if you become a patron in the month of August at any level, at any level, you're going to get a free month of the SOS Custom Wrestling Network. Uh, you're going to get a free uh, Double Dropkick Show uh, sticker. We'll get that out to you. And if you join at the $1 level, now this includes current patrons too. You're all getting in the code. You're all getting a sticker because you guys have been with us. Some of you have been with us since day one, like the day the patron page went live. You guys have been with us, and um, we uh, you know, love interacting with you guys. If you join at the $1 level, at the end of August, uh, we're going to do a giveaway for a Terry Funk autographed picture because that's one of our favorites. Uh, if you join at the $5 level in August, 
At the end of the month, we're doing a giveaway for a three-disc DVD set, Kenta Kabashi versus Mitsuhiro Masawa. And if you join at the $10 level or higher, uh, we're going to do a giveaway for a Rob Schamberger, uh, Kenta Kabashi autographed print. Because more than likely, if you're watching this, one great thing that's happened as a result of this five-and-a-half-year journey of this podcast, five-and-a-half years, is Mark has introduced me to so much great wrestling that I was unaware of, including great Terry Funk stuff, great Kenta Kabashi stuff, great Mitsuhiro Masawa stuff. And our, our hope is that instead of you spending three hours on a Monday night watching Raw or watching SmackDown or watching bad wrestling, we want to introduce you to maybe some wrestling you haven't seen. And, and the Kabashi Masawa feud, one of the best ever. Um, just some classic, classic matches um, and several they, of them. Yeah, their, their final meeting when Kobashi finally defeats Masawa, yeah. which was a – if you follow the history of, of Masawa getting the torch passed to him from Jumbo Saruta, right, and and then to see the, the torch go from Masawa to Kobashi in kind of the same fashion where Masawa finally got his big win over Saruta and then – for Kabashi to finally get his win over over Masawa, yeah, um, you can trace that all the way back. It's such a uh, that final match is one of the greatest things you'll ever see. Yeah, so um, there'll be a link uh, at doubledropkick.com in the show notes, a link to all of these items on High Spots who have been great partners for us. And if you use our High Spots link, we do get a uh, kickback, so we're very appreciative of that. So. The last time we recorded, we watched one of our episodes. We watched the promo that Dustin Rhodes cut um, between mm-hmm. him and Cody. It was a great promo video. It was. Uh, and then we got to Double or Nothing, and let and we had this match. Mm-hmm. This was something you bought the show after it happened. Yeah, forty nine ninety nine. I was. And we just had the show about California. I was in California the day the show started, I think. The yeah. day where we were flying out that night, something I can't remember. But yeah, when I got home, I bought the show. And you know me. Yeah. I'm pretty cheap. Yes. Mark does not spend, you don't spend a lot of money on wrestling. No, but I wanted to see that match. And to me, it was, it was worth it. I mean, I'm yes. glad I did. It really, yes. Here's the, we talk about this all the time. I'm guilty of saying, "Boy, remember how good WCW was when it was? You had, right. They were having these great matches, you know, the Hollywood Blondes versus Steamboat and and Douglas or Steamboat and Dustin Rhodes, and the people were having these awesome matches. Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat, and Ric Flair and Terry Funk, and the Great Muda and Sting. Uh, but that was one of the downtimes in that business, even though they were having these incredible matches. And I don't care." What the average, for lack of a better term, smart fan, yeah. the the neck beard, black t-shirt guy, um, I know that they prefer the flipping and flopping and the five-star, blah, blah, blah. And you know that style of match, that yeah. super indie match. Will never, ever, ever, ever get praise the way a, a match that tells a good story does. Right. Because that match... Technically, from a technical standpoint, of trading flips and doing dives and this and great scientific moves and whatnot, it was not there. 
but it told a story. Yeah. And it was brilliant, and it had blood. And it had too much blood, to be honest with you. Right, and it was... But I like that. Because yeah, it added a sense of drama because, to the map. Uh, and when you could see the gusher. Yes, and you could see there... You can... Uh, Dustin Rhodes has always been an incredible performer. Yes. But there was concern on both of their faces yeah. that oh no this is this is too much blood yeah. this is not it shouldn't have it probably i think i went too deep and that you know but they uh, did but here's what they you know what it, i'm sure they had a skeleton of that match they didn't panic right they didn't um they didn't panic they didn't they told it, it was such oh, it was brilliant it was a, a it was a brilliant match. It was a, it was. I don't I don't know, man. I don't know the right. It was beautiful. You know, it was beautifully graphic and beautifully violent, um, and emotional. It was just for me. It was awesome for me. Okay. It was it was the build, that promo. It was one of my favorite matches ever. I don't know if it's one of my favorites ever. It's definitely my favorite of 2019 yeah. so far. Everything around it. And then the the leading up to the, the promo at the end, which, oh. was the, which was the call back to the famous Dusty and Dustin promo. And yeah, it was, it was masterfully done. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and to watch Cody Rhodes um, get – so much, but I remember talking about this and and watching that Okada match and thinking, oh, that like Cody was probably where he needed to be on the card, uh-huh. you know, which is he's about a main event or a, or a, a mid card level talent, yeah, honestly, and that's kind of where I thought he landed. And then watching that match and seeing him, he's progressed. He's made he's he has taken it to another level, which is good. Like that's. That used to be the way the wrestling business worked. You would have a guy that worked his way up the card yeah, and got better over the years. And kind of watching Cody do that over the past year or two has been kind of cool. To me, they've had three shows. Is that your opinion that they've had three shows? No, no. Sorry. Let's, I'll even go back to All In. Four shows. Mm-hmm. Three of the four shows, Cody Rhodes had my favorite match. Hmm. I'm not saying he had the best match. I'm saying he had the match that hit me emotionally. Right. The match that engaged me the most. His match with Nick Aldis, Dustin Rhodes, and then at Fighter Fest, uh, Darby Allen, because that was just a crazy, ridiculous. But it was it was cool to see Cody work somebody um, like that. Um, yeah, Cody. It was it was just so good, man. The the promo at the end, uh, it was it was really great. And the fact it looked like Dustin was going to take his boots off and retire, and mm-hmm. um, it was good. Um, I also liked. This is something I've liked about their shows. I know a lot of people are now. I don't necessarily like what some of the responses have been by some of the talent. I like the post-show interview, press conference feel. Mm-hmm. I have liked that, especially the one with Dustin after their match. Right. I really – I 
it feels like that's what a regular sporting event would be. Now, when the guys get in there, I'm like, well, the chair was. Yeah, see, I didn't like that. I didn't like I that. thought they had a great opportunity to really get that guy over as a monster, and yeah. they blew it by saying, well, we had the chair gimmicked. But that's the, you know, but, that's the, always been the problem with the young boys. Yes. They take two steps forward, right. one step forward and two steps back with that stuff. And I think part, I'm hoping that for them, that maybe that was a learning experience. I would hope so. Because this is all brand new. Yeah, but, but is it brand new? I mean, it's brand I mean, new it's in the. It's not like they just started wrestling last but week. No, but it's, it's the first time they've ever had to take it serious. Right. No, very, very much so. Um. And if they don't take it serious, man, I'm telling you, I know there's a segment of the population that says, a very small segment of the wrestling population that says, well, they're just, they're not trying to work us. Right. But most of us want to be worked. Right. I wanted Sean Spears to come out and Ivan Drago him and say, if he dies, he dies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, What do you think about him uh, bringing... Did you see I think that's pretty cool with Telly Blanchard. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a good thing. I'm glad to see Telly. I mean, there's nobody more oh. unlikable than Tully Blanchard, man. And there's he some history a, there. Is there between whoa between Cody and, and okay the Rhodes yeah. and Telly Blanchard? Okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's just such an unlikable person in real life. Yeah. He's not a likable man. Right. He's not, I mean, he's not hating or anything, yeah. but if you've ever talked to him, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Right. He's got an air of superiority about him. Right. That, that I just, you kind of just want to punch him in the face, <laughs> you know? And I told him that. I mean, right. he loves that. He, yes. Like, he does not, you know, you just want to punch Tully Blanchard in the mouth. You're not going to hurt, that, he feeds off that, doesn't yes. hurt his feelings. He loves it. Um. Omega and Jericho from uh, Double or Nothing. Um, I didn't like it as good as their New no, Japan match. But it's still, I mean, those two guys are not going to have a bad match. I mean, Kenny Omega, whatever you want to say about the guy with the blow-up dolls and whatever, still, he's still, in, his promos suck. He, they do. God, he doesn't. He's one of those weird guys that, for me, as long as he's wrestling, I like him. Yeah. But everything else about him I dislike. I don't like his body language on the way to the ring. Yeah. I don't like his promos. I don't know that I'm ever going to pay a lot of money to to watch him. Right. Because he, you know, but but bell to bell, he's an incredible performer. Bell to bell, yeah. He, he's awesome. Um, what what do you think about the appearance of John Moxley? I thought it was really well done. Yes. I thought it was really well done, man. I uh, How awesome was it? Oh, go ahead. That, it was a surprise. Right. It wasn't spoiled. Nobody, it wasn't nobody talked sheet. about it, no, you know, which was awesome, man. It's so good to see that, man. And he, who, when I see him now in wrestling gear, yeah, I think how much money WWE left on the table putting that guy in blue jeans and a tank top. Right. He looks like a prof- he looked like a guy on the street in that outfit. Yeah. When he's got real wrestling gear on, he looks like the kind of guy you wouldn't want to get in a fight with. Um, the promo he cut, the Paradigm Shift promo, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh. That was money. The stuff he's doing in Japan has been great. Mm-hmm. He, 
uh, here's here's what I think. I think he's one of those guys that is that, I mean he already is knocking it out of the park with his post WWE career. Oh, yeah, I've said it before. You got to think that there are people there watching saying, "Man, if Cody Rhodes can leave, yeah, and be as successful as he has and then to watch Ambrose who was placed much higher on the card than Cody Rhodes right. was leave and be even more successful." But then you, but then you've had Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, that's fine. You got to be thinking that you know, guys like Kevin Owens and Daniel Bryan, all those guys have to be watching that. But you've had other guys like when Sandow left, everybody's like, oh, now he's going to be this. Yeah, but. And when Swagger leaves, it's, now he's going to be. There's been so many other guys that have, well, now they're going to. And it's just like, no. I'm like. No, not everybody's got it. Yes. And I think, yeah, they left. This is really, oh my gosh, yeah. They just, what? to me, what he's doing post-WWE shows that everything he said about WWE was was right on the money. Did you see the Firefly Funhouse when uh, the, the little, like right after? I have he, not seen any of those. So he makes the rounds of doing the interview. Yeah. Telling whatever, all yeah. the dirt from working there and then there's an episode of firehouse or firefly funhouse when one of the characters broke off uh -huh. and kind of walked over to the camera and said man there's some stuff going on here i need to tell y'all about blah 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 and then bray wyatt walks up with a hammer and and says now why would you want to go to do something like that and smashes him right with, with the hammer and, and crushes the guy it was right after all those interviews. Very like it wasn't even subtle that it was it's supposed to be a knock on right on, on Ambrose. Um, but hey, he's got to make his money, man. Yeah, and he yeah he. Um, and I'm I'm guessing they. I don't know what they're paying Cody and the Young Bucks and Omega, but they got to be paying him at least that much, if not more. Right. I can't imagine that they didn't offer him because they wanted to offer somebody a big money contract for leaving. I'm sure. Right. To, they, if anybody's ever had a chance of being some real competition and making a go at it, it may be this company if they start taking things a little more seriously. Uh, yeah, I want to. I want to hit on that um, in a little bit. Um, Fighter Fest was, um, I guess, the main event. At there was the six man match. I don't remember. Huh? Sorry, we're being interrupted. So we're sitting here. We'll, we'll just go live with this. My daughter comes in. Their friends aren't listening. She's like, hey, can I go to town with the girl I've been talking trash about and we don't get along? Da, 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 da. Well, girls are so weird, man. Like, they just like, yeah. it's hot shot booking. It, they, I feel like the Russos are booking my girl's life. It's 50-50 booking. It's 50-50 <laughs> booking. What are you going to be doing in Anderson? I got no money. No. Tango, no dinero. Because I'm getting ready to go to KFC with this man. 
You ask your brother or your sister if they got any money. Close the door, please. Hello? You got to turn the knob and pull it shut. There you go. This commercial break brought to you by Heath's Life, full of kids. Being a single parent in the summertime while you're on break. Um, I think the... Um, I can't remember what the main event at Fighter Fest was. It was Moxley and Omega, right? Or Moxley and somebody. Moxley and Janela. There you go. What, did right. you watch That's that right. match? I didn't. Uh, I didn't get to see that one. And this is, I Cornette said a lot. Cornette says a lot of things. Mm-hmm. The one thing I, I agree with him a lot of times. Disagree a lot of times. When you put Dean Ambrose in the ring with Joey Janela, it's like night and day. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about appearance. Mm-hmm. Especially with Dean Ambrose in wrestling gear. Yeah. I mean, it's just like one of these is not like the other. Right. Um yeah, it was just weird. Just he weird. really seems to hate Joey Janela too. Cornette does. He hates all those guys. Yeah, that's true. He always talked good about Cody and Dustin, and that's about the only one. Jericho. He he, he really does. He, I mean, yeah, he hates them. Um, what did you think? Uh, so, Fighter Fest to me was kind of like a throwaway show because the big one was the fight for the fallen. Um, which that show to me, I enjoyed it. Went way too long. Um, so let's let's talk about that. To me, I was at a show Saturday night, and it went long as well. Mm-hmm. Because in the pre-show meeting, the booker said, "I want this to be an atmosphere where everybody has fun, and we give you freedom." And mm-hmm. and he gave every match the same amount of time, and everybody went over that time. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying the matches were bad, but every match kind of had the same feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's what's happening with AEW. Is they're saying that, hey, we want you guys to go out there, have fun, get your crap in. Every match is kind of the same length. But if every match is about five minutes too long, mm-hmm. that's not good. Even if it's a good match. And I really enjoyed, I might be in the very minority of this. I My favorite match on that card was probably um, the three-way tag team match. Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, love them. I love. Yeah, they, there's money in it. Uh, I lo- Luchasaurus is just, uh, I just enjoy them. Then they were uh, they were doing the the Evil Order and then Jack Evans and, and – uh, and Helico, who were just kind of there. Yeah. Um, but that was probably my favorite match. Yeah, that was good. Of the card. I like that. Um, what did you think of the Brotherhood versus the Young Bucks? I thought it was awesome. I thought it was – I'd never seen the Young Bucks. Even Cornette said this. Yeah. He does not like those guys. I finally saw the Young Bucks take a wrestling match seriously. Yeah. And I thought there was some real – 
probably a little real life there with Dustin's, you know, the promo before it when he was saying, you know, everything's a joke with these guys. Maybe they need to be a little like he was saying yeah. this, the, the criticism of them. Maybe yeah. These guys, and they were. Yeah. And they were a little serious, but I, I do think and that they went a little too long. Right. I thought that they had an opportunity to build up to a good hot tag and then go home. Yeah. And I think it would have been a better match. Yeah. Instead of adding the link to it. That's just my that's my personal preference. Right. That I, I just thought it to me was a little bit long, but still was a great match. I mean, you put those guys together. The Young Bucks, whatever your criticism are of them, they're always going to have a good match. I like the fact that that they that Cody and Dustin put them over. Mm-hmm. If you're if those are going to be your tag team, yeah, you know, moving forward, they should have won that match. Um, I did enjoy also. Again, it went a little long, a little too many super kicks. The whole show had way too many super kicks. That's a problem. The super kick is the new punch. It is. I love Pentagon Jr. I do too. I I'm a big fan. Love that guy. Yeah, he's he awesome. is charisma. Uh-huh. He's awesome. And he's not that big. But their match with the he, he and Ray Phoenix with the the match with SCU was was good. I lo- I like Scorpio Sky. Mm-hmm. That uh, yeah. Who was the Hangman Page? Who did he have? Who did he have a match? He wrestled um, Darby Allen. No, because no, he was in the opening match. He Who, wrestled the uh, Kip, not Kip Sabian. Yeah, he wrestled Kip Sabian. Who and here's and and here's the thing. There yeah. Again, I thought that match went a little too long. It did. If you if you're gonna have him being your guy that's gonna challenge Chris Jericho for your title. I mean, if he couldn't make short work of Kip Sabian, what's he going to do with Chris? Right, because they they did a twenty minute time limit and it went to the last minute. Right. Yeah. And I just, to me, that's his personal preference. When you're building a contender like that up, maybe he should have won a little more decisively. Yeah. And not just went. But that's the that's the wrestling style now is to go back and forth and to have those. I just don't think every match needs to be twenty five thirty minutes long. Now, I'm I'm trying to talk with various bookers. And just say, hey, if you're doing five matches, doing six matches, add a match. Right. A squash match. Mm-hmm. A two-minute match. Include. I want to see a match where one guy doesn't get an entrance. The problem is on these little independent shows, these, those, nobody's going to do that. But see, here's what I want to see. I would love to see. And maybe somebody's done this before. I would love to see a promoter buy a mask. Hey, on this show, you're masked. You're the masked wrestler. You're going to go out there. You're not getting any music. You're going to go out there. You get butt kicked. You're wearing a mask. You're going to learn some stuff. Right. And you're wearing a mask. You need to get some plain black trunks. Some plain black knee pads and wear this mask. Yeah, I mean, you used to see that. I've seen it. I've seen Three Count do that. Right. With um, uh, I forget the. I know the guy. Right. I know his name, but I can't remember what he wrote. But it was like the enforcer. You know, what I mean, it's just this generic. Oh, brute force. Brute force. That's there right. you go. Brute force. Just this generic gimmick with a bodysuit this one yeah. color and a match that match. I mean, you put Thunderfoot number twelve in there. Right. Know? I mean, just. That would be so cool. Yeah. And the fans would know after you did a couple, they know this guy is going to get his butt kicked. Right. But it doesn't hurt anybody. Right. 
doesn't hurt anybody. And it gives it gives fans. All right, I go. Thunderfoot Twelve just came out. I'm gonna go pee. <laughs> yeah, right. Or I'm gonna come. I'm gonna watch um, my favorite wrestler, James Drake, beat Thunderfoot up, and that's gonna be his match this night. On right. This night. I mean, yeah, or whoever it is. I mean, John Schuyler is gonna wrestle Thunderfoot, and right. I know that I'm gonna get to see John Schuyler do all his big moves. Yeah. And that's what he's gonna do. Right. He's gonna hit all his big moves. He's gonna go over. This other guy's not gonna get any offense. Um, so yeah, so we, we were talking about this before. If everybody gets all their crap in every show, every match, you got nothing to build to. I talked to a young and man. None of, none of your crap matters, right? If you do it all, all the time. I talked to a young man the other night. It was the first time I was going to get to see him wrestle, and I asked him. I said, uh, and I won't give away his name because I'm going to give away his finish. I said. Uh, so what's your finish? I said, I'm going to be doing commentary. He's like, oh, man, I haven't done my finish yet. I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, it's going to be – and this is a big kid. He's like, it's going to be a Phoenix Blast. I'm saving it for the right moment. Hmm. He's like, right now I'm just kind of doing a frog splash. But, but when the time comes, I'm going to do a Phoenix Splash. Right. And I'm like, so you haven't been – and he's like, so I either do this. So he had like two other moves – but he wasn't doing the Phoenix Splash every show. And he wasn't doing those other moves every show. Matter of fact, I don't know that he did any big moves in the match he was in the other night. Um, and I think especially when you get on TV. And here's, here's where I think AEW may have, may have messed up. So they've announced they're going to be Wednesday nights. Uh you know, Wednesday nights on TNT. Have we ever had a major wrestling on Wednesday nights? I don't recall. Um, so I'm, I'm interested about that. They went. I heard they went Wednesday nights on TNT. They will, will not be preempted, preempted by basketball. Right. So two hours of live TV. The the what I am hearing is that they're going to do two shows a week. So that's about 104 shows, 105 shows a year that the typical AEW wrestlers, the top stars of those hundred and something shows, they're going to wrestle 74 times. So a little bit more than, than once a week. So a much, much lighter schedule mm -hmm. than uh, WWE, a lot less travel. Um and I, I think if they do, they're going to have to scale some of those matches back for TV. They got to learn to save. They're doing four big pay-per-views. They got to learn to save some of that. I do like that we're seeing different matchups mm -hmm. that we haven't seen. I always like, and I don't mean to interrupt you, no, but you're, I want to no. kind of go back to what, something that you were saying because Scott Hall had a theory that he said he, he learned from Kurt Hennig. Number one, if you're if you're putting somebody over, let them hit their finish on you. Yeah, put them over with their finish because that way at right. least you didn't get beat by being stupid. Yeah, you didn't get distracted. Right, somebody schoolboy. Yeah, take their finish and let them beat you with their finish. Yeah, and that way at least you don't look dumb. Yeah, you got beat with a move that beats everybody, and don't use your finish in a match that you're not winning. Right. That's oh my god! And that's just such a simple philosophy that that protects you and makes you look like a professional. 
Right. <clears throat> I tell like. Oh, yeah, I mean, um, Drew Adler, one of my favorite current wrestlers, um, he had a great run as a PCW heavyweight champion, and White Noise was his finisher. And nobody, he had one match. It was a six-person match. He beat all five other guys with that move. Nobody kicked out of it. When James Drake, I think it was January or February, James Drake kicked out of that. Mm-hmm. It was a big deal. And you know what Drew Rather did? Picked him up, hit him with it again, and that was it. Yep. But it was a big deal when uh, when he kicked out. And three count, I can remember uh, talking about uh, Ken. I don't. I hate giving away too much, but yeah. Ken, Ken Magnum, was yeah. the, the champion, and I can remember saying to Ken and to everybody else that he hit that full clip DDT, and that was his finish, and everybody needed. That he needed to win every match with it, and he only needed to hit it once. That's right. And he needed to pin everybody, and that way, when you finally got to the guy who kicked out of it, yeah. it would matter. Yeah. It would matter when Austin Jordan finally kicked out. Right. And somebody kicked out of it and then beat Ken Magnum. Yeah. It would mean something. Yeah. Because you protected that finish for a year. Yeah. No. Yeah, um, yeah I remember – yeah, that was that was good. That was good. Good stuff. One thing they need to keep off Wednesday nights is these awful pre-show matches. Yes, I agree. That is turning people like me off. I mean, right. I can remember I tuned in. I watched the pre-show for that first whatever card it was when Dustin and Cody. I bought it, and then I went back and watched the pre-show. Yeah, I if I if I'd watched the pre-show first, I'm not sure that I would have bought that. Was that the one with the Battle Royal? Yes. I don't. I think that's the only pre-show I've watched. I haven't watched any of the other pre-shows. Yeah, that was it was not good. I, but I, here's what these guys have to realize: the pre-show is the audition. That's what I'm saying. Like they may be losing people with some of that stuff. Right. And if you, yeah. Um, also, I want to say this: there was a big hubbub about hubbub uh, hubbub yesterday. We're recording this August first, July thirty first. There was a big hubbub about Marco Stunt getting signed with AEW mm-hmm. about his size, all that. I don't, I don't want to get into all that. By the time this episode is released to our non-patrons, um, it probably will have blown over. However, you have somebody like a Marco Stunt, Joey Janela, all these guys, and they've been wrestling three times. I'm talking about the guys who were mid, early mid twenties who are still learning the craft Mm -hmm. and you learn the craft through repetition and, and working and working different people and they're moving from now that hopefully they're making a a buttload of money Mm -hmm. or to them a buttload of money, Mm -hmm. but you're going from maybe 150 matches a year to now you're going to be working less. And because you're under contract on a roster, there's, there's a smaller talent pool mm-hmm. that you're going to face. My question to you would be, no pun intended, could that stunt some of their growth as a wrestler? I, yeah. I don't even know <clears throat> that it would stunt it as a wrestler. I think as a fan watching it, it's one, you know, if you go to the carnival and watch the geeks bite the heads off the chickens, yeah, it's pretty cool to see it one time. Right. 
And then you'd see it a second time. And then right. You'd see it a third time. You go to the freak show. It's cool. But you don't want to go to the freak show every week. Right. Right. You know, you get you get burned out on that kind of stuff. <clears throat> so when you have a guy that is kind of a one-trick pony, mm-hmm. after you've seen that one trick three right. or four times, is it really something that's going to draw you any money long-term? Right. Right. Are you, I've told you when we were talking about it, texting back and forth about what the guy said. Um, if Marco Stunt's role is to be the guy that gets pounced over the top rope in a battle royal by a big guy, because that's what they did with him. The guy yeah. plowed into him and he went flying over the top rope. If that's his spot on the card, I mean, it's, right. there's always that spot for that Correct, guy. correct. Uh, if you do a match where Luchasaurus turns heel. Of course, he would do it with Jungle Boy, I'm guessing, not with Marco right. Stunt. But, you know, either way. Luchasaurus beats him up and slips on a banana peel and Marco Stunt beats him. That's a good That's a good little idea. Right. But, man, I don't – if you start putting him in there with Jericho and Paige and Omega and Moxley in the title hunt, then right. that's a whole different thing. Right. right. So – I mean, what this? If it's spots on the card, where a spot on the card needs to be, who cares, man? No, yeah, yeah. He's he's not my cup of tea. Right, right. And I'm telling you, I would never spend fifty dollars to watch him work Kenny Omega. Right. Or Chris Jericho. Right. But Hangman Page is money, by the way. Yeah, Hangman Page. MJF. MJF is money. Great. Um, Yeah, he's going to be a big star. Right. Um, I think – so this brings me to another point, too. I think of the people I've seen with AEW, there's a handful that could have signed with WWE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if we're being honest well, – Some of them did, you know. Right. But if we're being honest, 75% – of that roster at, at least are people that WWE either passed on uh-huh. or would not even look at. Yeah. Right. You got obviously Omega, Jericho. I'm guessing Paige could have went to WWE. Young Bucks got offered. Young Cody. Bucks, Cody. Outside of that, <coughs> you know, maybe Luchasaurus. Maybe SCU. Yeah, uh, obviously SCU because they uh, originally Christopher Daniels was going to be the higher power oh. during the Vince McMahon oh. Austin thing. Eventually, he uh, yeah he was I think the original plan to be oh, the higher really? power. Yeah, um, and that fell through. So yeah, clearly there he's he's really good. I Man, Chris, Christopher Daniels is a smooth. Yeah, really smooth performer. Almost too good. Yeah. To be honest with you, he's got that AJ Styles syndrome, that Ricky Steamboat syndrome, right. where he's almost too good. I've never seen him have a bad, no. bad match. No, he's um, really good. So I think so. To me, we're in it. We're an interesting period where I'm interested to see where we are five years from now. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see where we are six months from now. Once the right. show starts. Once the show really. starts, I, I'm very excited. To have another, Me too. I will watch AEW every week. I will DVR it. Yeah. Oh yeah. No doubt. Um, I will to start with. Yes. I'm gonna give them a shot. Yeah. Right. Um, and and I think, I mean, you got to think, man. Our wrestling fans, wrestling fans are gonna have to make a choice. 
Because they're probably not going to watch three hours on Monday, two hours on Wednesday, and two hours on Friday. I don't know. I don't see why they wouldn't. I mean, as what? William Shatner once said to a group at a convention, <laughs> get a life. Get a life. Yeah. I may okay. edit seven hours of wrestling footage in a week, but I don't know that I would watch. I know I wouldn't. Yeah. I might have to pick. But I think there's some hardcore fans that would. Now, are we going to get TNT on the. Are we going to get AEW on Hulu without the commercials and without all the fluff? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I'm definitely looking forward. I mean, I'm looking forward to them hopefully being good and it raising WWE's game yeah. a little bit because they're trying. They're not succeeding right now. Speaking of which, the Raw reunion. Mm hmm. Went over like a fart in church. I've heard. <sighs> I haven't watched a minute of it. I watched three hours of that to watch Stone Cold cut the most non-Stone Cold promo he's ever cut. Oh, gosh. Oh. They neutered him, huh? Oh, it was. I love everybody, and it was great to say that is. That ain't my Steve Austin, man. Yeah, when I saw that he didn't stun anybody, I thought, no. what, what is the word come like, to? They, made, they didn't have Kevin Owens do anything with him and kind of give him. He could have given Owens the rub. If Owens had stunned Steve Austin, oh my God. how awesome would that have been? That's why I'll, my hat is off to Mick Foley, yeah. who was the only guy who showed up and tried to help somebody. Who? Well, what did he do? Because I didn't watch it. He went out. He had. He was. You know, they they passed around that twenty four seven title. Yeah. All night long between the legends. Well, he had. Put, he's the one that got that started. Right. Before he said, "I'm going to challenge for the twenty four seven title." I'm going to get that title before the night's over with. And they did a spot where Drake got chased through the ring right past Foley. And he tried to get his hands on him, and he missed him. Uh -huh. And then everybody else, and he said, I'm going to get my hands on that title before the night's over with. But if I'm not, I just want to tell you it's great to be here tonight. And he got his pop, and then the lights went off. And they come back on, and Bray Wyatt, is the, the fiend, had mankind in the mandible claw. Oh, wow. And he took him down with the mandible claw. And then later on in the night, when they brought all of the legends back out, Mick Foley didn't come out. Wow. They, they, they took him off. I mean, it was like just Bray Wyatt using the mandible claw on him, got that finish back over. Um, wow. So Foley used his opportunity to help somebody. Wow. And I just, that's why Mick Foley... Will always be Saint Mick, and yeah. like he didn't just show back up to 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 get himself over. Right, he got somebody. He he elevated wow. somebody else, passed a torch. Yeah, what is it? That me or you? I don't know what what's going on. No, my stomach was growling. Oh, it wasn't me. Um, so you know he passed a torch of his finish. Yeah. So hopefully Bray Wyatt, now the Fiend, will start using oh. the mandible claw, which is what I'm hoping is going to happen. I mean, if not, why do that? Right. You know, why not hit him with the Sister Abigail? But, yeah, it was it was good, man. That was a really good segment. That's a really cool character. That They had Tom Savini design the mask. Right. Who, if you don't know who Tom Savini is, he designed the original Jason from the first Friday the 13th, the kid mm -hmm. version of Jason, and then he did all of the – the part four makeup. He did some makeup for, I think, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre three, maybe. It was two or three where he did all. He's just a, he's a special effects guy. 
Really interesting guy. I met him in Atlanta. Really, really interesting guy. Uh, but he designed the Fiend's mask. So it's really. Now, I did watch. Uh, I was at Dollywood. This would have been Monday the 30th. No. Monday the 29th. I did see Brock Lesnar. I was reading a book. My friends were watching wrestling. I watched Brock Lesnar just whip up on Seth Rollins. I hadn't watched that yet. I'm hoping to. I thought watch that was it. great. Rollins was bleeding and. Oh really? Yeah, uh, oh, like bro- bleeding from the mouth. I think. Oh yeah. Okay. Or but it was like he was coughing up blood and Lesnar. What, which is one of my favorite things is not that they take him off the gurney while he's there at ringside. He went to the back. Right. Um. And, and attacked him and F five him on the stretcher. Oh wow. Which was which was pretty good. Um which you see him get him up and you're like, How is he gonna take this? And then you realize there's no way to take there's this. No way you're to just gonna have to land on a dang. Because yeah. um, it was it wasn't like it was just sitting there, it was like tilted over. The like the, the stretcher was like on the ground already. And he just f five him on it. Was like it was awesome, man. I don't like these people that don't like Brock Lesnar. Yeah, he only does one move, but it's an awesome move. Uh, right. Did you see the reaction? I guarantee you, none of them tell Brock Lesnar that if they see him. Uh, Kayfabe News said the German Chancellor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw that. The reactions to that poster, like, yeah. what does she know? Um, yeah, people are funny with those kayfabe. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of reactions, let's move on. Uh, the WWE Network uh, did an update, and the people have spoken, and they it's do not, not like good. I have not seen it. I do not, because I got on. I was thinking, man, because I had heard oh, they streamlined some stuff, and they did, I guess, yeah. if you want to watch their pay-per-views. But, man, I can't find – used to those hidden gems. Yeah. They were just laid out perfectly year by year. Right. And it would tell you the ones that had just been added. No, I can't find any of that stuff anymore. I, so I want to talk about the hidden gems that were just added in the last month or so. Uh, they added the Great American Bash. I think they added 85 they and added, 86. They added um, the one from Charlotte and the one from Greensboro. The one from Greensboro is the one that I watched, which was yes. highlighted by the Ric Flair-Dusty Rhodes cage match where Dusty finally won the title at Greensboro. Um, I remember, I don't know what day that was on, but we were at, that was also where Jimmy Valiant got his head shaved. and we were I at, wanted to talk about that. We were at the show in Greenville the like the day or two after that happened. Yeah. And when um, – for some reason, the dude from Greensboro announced in Greenville, Tom, the ring announcer. Right. And when he announced that Dusty Rose was the new world heavyweight champion, at that point in my life, that was the loudest pop <laughs> I'd ever heard. Right. And were- Dusty wasn't, he didn't wrestle that night, but then Jimmy Valiant came out and you found out, oh, there's my the picture right after. Yeah. On your wall right there. Um, and, um, but Jimmy Valiant came out and you could, and you found out he had had his head shaved. Um, that was such a that match. Uh, I love that everybody everybody's trying to stop. Um, was it Sandy Scott from shaving his head? I forget who did the shaving, but it probably was. But it was like this main person, and they didn't even introduce him to. Oh, by the way, that was uh, legendary. Da, 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 shaving the head, right? Um, did you, have you watched the match recently? I, yeah, I watched it like the day week it came out. So, such a cluster. 
No, uh, whatever. No, I mean, in a good way. In a good whatever way. the match was. Yeah. When he was getting hit, from the moment yes. that he lost until they were standing in the ring with him bald, there was a flash of why Jimmy Valiant was a main event player. Yeah. Whatever he became late. Right. Whatever it was with dropping the elbows and the thumbs. Right. That. Yeah. Mo- the moment they started shaving his head and the camera yeah. on his face, awesome. yeah. the look where you saw this wave of emotion of shame, yes, of self-loathing that yeah. he had allowed this to happen, yeah. to to rage, yeah, that you, that you had not it seen from Jimmy Valiant if you had not seen the WWWF. Yeah. Valiant brothers, and you would not. I didn't know anything about handsome Jimmy Valiant uh, at the time. Um, and so all of that we knew was the boogie woogie man yeah. who was silly and who was for the kids and would come right. out. And, and to see that, like, there was just this flash of brilliance of why this man was a main event guy for decades yeah. in different territories. I saw it yeah. in that moment, it was, it was incredible, man. It, it was so – it was just like you have to go back and watch Jimmy Valiant get his head shaved. Every wrestler, you need to go watch that. It is, the like you said, the range of emotions this man shows. Mm-hmm. He didn't take acting classes. <laughs> it was – he was real. It was. It was not performance art. Mm-hmm. It was real. Yeah. And. I mean, his, he was tearing up. Yeah. And then he just started shaking. Yeah. And gritting his teeth. Uh-huh. And it, it, was, it was brilliant. I thought everybody, I mean, when I, when I say that match was a cluster, I mean that the end, there was so much happening. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. everybody was in the right spot mm-hmm. at the right time, and I guarantee you, I guarantee you, they talked about it once. I don't. I guarantee if you, there they, wasn't if they did that, but there wasn't this. All right. I'm sure they had to coordinate. I mean, obviously right. they're okay. This guy's going to be here. Yeah, obviously there was some coordination that went on there. Yeah, I guarantee you they didn't sit back in the dressing room and talk about a 15-minute match for two hours. Right. And and to me, okay, after watching that and watching Manny Fernandez, who was physically trying to stop them from cutting his hair, and then it's Jimmy Valiant who gets the chair, and he puts the chair down in the middle of the ring, mm-hmm. and he sits down, and he willingly. He honors the st- – he's a man. Yeah, he's a man. Whatever, however man. goofy he might have been with the whatever, when it was time to honor what he said he would do, he did it because he was a man. But that made – after watching that, it made the Manny Fernandez turn mean yeah. that much more right? Um, to me that, that he was there. And then also, eventually, Paul Jones got his head shaved yeah. Oh, yeah. by the end of that because that's how it's supposed to play wow. out. Go figure. That's how wrestling works. Um, they got another payday. And I, I enjoyed watching Paul Jones work that match. He was so good, man. Like, you see the, there again, you see why he was such a big star in this in this area. Do you know how old Paul Jones was for that match? 47. Right. I'm, how old is Chris Jericho right now? 
Chris Jericho's like 47. Right. And Paul Jones at that time had not wrestled regularly. Mm-hmm. In, that was 86. Six years? Yeah. Seven years? Mm-hmm. It's amazing to me just like the – just the careers now. Like, I, I remember watching that on Google. And I'm like, man, Paul Jones was 47. Yeah. His career had already been over. Now, he – but, like, man, now he'd just kind of be getting – Christopher Daniels is, like, 48. Right. Undertaker's – 55. Yeah. Triple H just turned 50. Yeah. Um, But I remember as a kid thinking, oh, Paul – I thought Paul Jones was 100 years old. <laughs> I know it. Yeah, yeah. Um. But it made me want to go back and watch some of his old babyface stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd like to go back and watch the turn on uh, – is it Steamboat that he turned on? Yes. Oh, we talked Steamboat. about that. So, yeah. so let's – if I may, let's go back to the Marco, Marco Stunt, 5'2", 115 pounds. Paul Jones is not a tall man. No. I'm towered over Paul Jones. Did I towered. Tower three, two or three inches? Did you? An inch. I was an inch or two taller than Paul Jones. There's a picture somewhere. No, I didn't get a picture with him. Anyway. But Paul Jones wasn't tall. But he, he No, no, he wasn't. But he was stout. He wasn't fat. He was solid. He was right. a man. Right. He was just a, you know, a manly looking dude. And he played that underdog well. I think the height thing gets blown way out of proportion. I, yeah. really, I don't think the height thing is as big a deal. Right. As, I think people make too much of it to be honest with you thank you i've been saying that for 44 years well i know you have you and that guy in that bagel shop (laughs) are not happy about people talking about he doesn't speak for all of us let me just say that (laughs) heath is you've done the same rant on me pretty much when i take things too far when have you ever taken anything (laughs) too far yeah yeah, that's true that's not my gimmick (laughs) um but yeah, uh, I I do I, you know the height's not a big thing, but you know, but I think size matters. Yes, you know I mean really, and I'm not saying that. Nah, but I, know, I mean, right? But I do think like if it's one thing to be five foot eight, it's another thing to be five foot eight and 160 pounds. Right. I, you know, I would love to see, and maybe they've wrestled. I'd love to see Marco Stunt and Jack Evans. Yeah. Have a match. Yeah. I would look, you know, this is one of the things I thought about when I couldn't sleep last night is, man, what if a, like, one of the things I like about UFC is there's weight classes. And we, we've, I think we've talked about this before. There have been sort of weight classes in wrestling. You got cruiserweight, whatever. But, like, to me, I would like to see somebody give that a shot. You have the, you know, 170. Pound or less, 170 to uh-huh. maybe 200, and then two, I, I don't. I don't uh, see, I don't think you can do that because I, I think then you'd be really limiting yourself to. Well, that that was the other uh, thing too is like if you had a. But I think they could if they had a cruiserweight division, he'd be really good for that. I mean, right, right, and I and I they they're gonna have to have. I don't know what they're yeah. gonna call it. I think they're gonna call it the AEW Heavyweight Title. <laughs> sure. <laughs> On what I've seen, <laughs> uh, Omega's a big dude. You know, Jericho ain't, ain't a slouch. I mean, he's yeah, he's not tall, but he's he looks like he could win a fight. 
to me, that's what it's all about. Right. If you look like you can win a fight, it doesn't matter if you're, right. you know, six foot eight. Right. You know, if if you don't look like you can win a fight, it doesn't matter. Right. That's why Sid Vicious was over because he looked like the kind of guy. He, <laughs> he was not the kind of guy. No, he wasn't. If you If you follow any of the stories, but he looked the yeah. part. That's why I think Ambrose was improved by putting gear on. Now he looks like a guy that could win a fight. Right. No. He looks like a professional. I was I was somebody who did not like I didn't dislike Dean Ambrose, but I could take him or leave him. But now right, right. he's must see now to me. Really? He's must see. I want um I guess he just wrestled Okada. I think so. Or somebody. Um I saw a clip with him the other day. I can't remember the Japanese dude's name. He's uh, kind Ishii. of a Nope, it's a, it's a it was a tag team match, and it was a comedy spot where the guy was trying to sell him a DVD, and Ambrose sent his young boy out to get the money, and then he paid the guy, and while the guy was counting the money, he rolled him up, mm-hmm. and it was like it's real. It's like okay, that's not what I expected, but it was right. it was entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, his promos have just been so. His promos have been really good too. I've been I've enjoyed them. Um, Trying to think what else I want to talk about, man. We've covered a lot of things. The Crockett Cup. Oh, yeah, Crockett, Crockett Cup. Cup. Um, I watched that whole thing. That was awesome. Man. Really? Yeah. It was good. Um, it was so good. It, uh, to me, you know, they brought the Crockett, Crockett Cup back and, and tried to do certain things. And um, they did it three years ago. No, two years ago, they did it in Virginia. And, like, the dude never gave the Crockett Foundation any money. Um, and so they brought it back with PWX, and it was a multi-event thing. Uh, somebody said, I think it might have been Bruce Mitchell I was messaging. He said, you know, they had a good crowd for the one this year at uh, Cabarrus Arena. Of course, NWA and uh, Ring of Honor are not working together anymore. Um, I mean, it's still interested to see what the NWA does. But let's get – Crockett Cup 1986. Sorry, I got distracted about the end. I always get distracted by the <laughs> you NWA. Do, you like this return to prominence of the um, National Wrestling Alliance. The thing, when I remember watching the the Crockett Cup uh, uh, YouTube or whatever, um, which I think what they put on the network is has more footage. Maybe than what was originally released. Yeah, the original video was uh, like two hours. Yeah, it was it was the entire card boiled down. Yeah, the two, the, but this was actually the full two day card. Um, I was very disappointed when I first watched it. The finish of the finals always left. Yeah, that wasn't a great match. I mean, it was no. a Magnum and and Ronnie Garvin. Yeah, just were kind of thrown. Yeah, and it just. I don't know. I think if, especially where they were at, yeah, if they had worked up to the Road Warriors versus the Midnight Express, yeah, that it would have got, right. gotten over more than it did. Uh, you know, um, the Warriors had not quite were not quite as over in that area, right? And everybody remembered Magnum, so nobody wanted to see Magnum get beat up, right? You know. Um, was it was a Magnum and Dusty originally supposed to be the team, and then Dusty got the world title shot? Maybe so. That sounds that sounds right. Um, 
I would love, man, I would love to see, and uh, there probably is a shoot interview or a documentary about that because it was so many, it was, you know, Mid-South coming in and, and seeing what they could do, but it didn't draw very well, I don't mm-hmm. think. You know what? Um, the ring announcer was um, Bruce Pritchard. Oh. So when I saw that, I immediately thought, I really hope that they do an episode of something to wrestle with yeah. about that. I mean, like that would. I was there. Right. <laughs> I was there. Uh, yeah. What a con man. He's so good at that. And he's. But people believe. People just buy into it and think. He, don't get that he's working. Oh, yeah. It's a crazy and he thing. worked himself into. Yeah. That podcast did exactly what I believe he wanted it to do from oh, the get go. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. And, and it, but people don't get it. Um, you know, there's the cult of Conrad right now. Right. You know, I'm hoping by the time this episode's out, it would have already passed, but I'm hoping to see him. He showed up at the Scenic City Invitational kind of incognito last year. I'm hoping to. Uh, Hoping to get him on the double. Oh, that'd be cool. That'd be really cool. Maybe. Tell him I'm sorry for that time I said something bad about him on Twitter. <laughs> and he blew up. You know. Oh my. Uh, but but the 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 new show he's doing with Jim Ross, I'm really liking it because I think Ross has got a credibility. Yeah. That most other people don't have. Yeah, I haven't. Um I haven't been listening to as many wrestling podcasts. I've been listening to other stuff. Um, but, yeah, that first Crockett Cup, it just went downhill from there. Yeah. But, like when they did this – because the first one, all the team – like I think there was – Italian Stallion was in a team with somebody. He was. He was. Um, but there was only like one or two of the 24 teams like that. Uh-huh. By year two – there's a few more teams. By year three, I have upstairs, I believe, the program from the third annual Crockett Cup. Huh. Oh, my. Is that the one the Mulkies won the seed in, or was it the second one? It was the second or third one that the Mulkies beat the oh the Infernos or whoever it was. may have been the Mulkies the because there's another mass team yeah. that's in here. The Jive Tones are in it. Just, it was just not good. Um, Jimmy Valiant, Mighty Wilbur. Oh, gosh. Um, that's the one they did. It was supposed to be Ronnie Garvin and Sting. Ronnie Garvin comes out and interferes in Kevin Sullivan versus Jimmy Garvin, Prince of Darkness match. Uh-huh. And Ronnie Garvin gets hurt. And I remember the second loudest pop I ever heard in Greenville was when they announced Lex Luger was going to team with Sting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just, oh man, just, uh, went downhill. They always do. There's always a trajectory with a lot of that stuff. Yeah. The law of diminishing returns. This is true. Kind of like this podcast. It's kind of, we've reached a good ending point. I think we have. I'll remind you, go to patreon.com slash double drop kick, uh, where you can see all about our August spectacular offers uh, just for you. Um, but make sure, hey, we need you to download, subscribe, give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You might be, um, hey, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, 
make sure you hit the subscribe button. It's somewhere. I'll do the magic and put it somewhere. But also, you got to hit that bell. Because if you don't hit the bell, you won't get a notification. And listen, trust me. You're going to want that notification. You're going to want that notification. It's like cowbell. You're going to want it. You're going to need it. You know what I need right now? It's about that time I can smell it. Sorry about that. No. <laughs> I can. I. This been three weeks I've been anticipating this trip to KFC Buffet. Me too. And just so you know, there's no backing out of it now. There ain't going to be no this. Well, I'm, I had, I'm having chicken tonight, and I don't want to have chicken tonight. So it's not going to be any of that. I don't talk like Kenny Omega. Oh, I'm having chicken in three weeks. I'm having mashed potatoes. I can go get that. No, I don't know what I'm saying. Like, anyway, hey, he's at the DDK Show on Twitter. I'm at Heath Mulliken. It's so good, man, to be back in here. We appreciate you listening. As always, man, for the Double Dropkick Show, I'm Heath Mulligan. And I'm Mark Whitman. And that's it this week, fans. So long for now.